Welcome, 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 welcome to your show, Fruit for Your Soul. I'm your spiritual life coach, Cardelia Reed. Thank you for joining me today. And I, you know, I've got a treat for you today. Today I'm going to talk about bringing back the church. It's a really big topic and it's kind of almost intimidating because the Holy Spirit has been talking to me about it all day. And I said, well, God, I just want to make sure that I represent you well when I start to speak about this. So, and let me just say one thing that's really important, especially with this topic. Whenever I have a podcast, whenever you hear a podcast, whenever you hear me talk, yes, it's true. It is my voice, but it is the Holy Spirit manifesting within me and his words come out. So it is God's word. And I want to make sure I always take the focus off of me and place it on him, which brings me back to my topic. You know, I, uh, I know in my heart that God is ready for the church to really be a church. And, the, you know, the Bible says, um, Upon this rock, the Lord says in this particular verse, Upon this rock I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, you've probably heard that so many, so many, so many times. And the truth is, you know, when that was written biblically, it was meant that. These words speak life. And I feel that we've gotten to a point where the gates of hell have tried so much to divide the church and shake it and do all kinds of things. But God is ready to bring back the church. There's so many things that he is doing now. So many things that he has shown me in dreams and visions of very, very influential leaders. People you would never expect. People that are in the entertainment industry, especially people that are seen all over the world. That people highly respect have these great spiritual gifts. And it may be manifesting differently in their lives because they know something's very different about them and they may feel like, okay, this is not enough what I'm doing, whether it be acting or singing or dancing or whatever they're doing to show the world about who they are. That's not truly who they are because what's really who they are is what God placed in them. And those are the things that God is begging to come out. Even the leaders, they know that they were appointed to be who they are as far as the leaders of certain nations, but there's still something else budding to come out. So God is really raising up um, a group of prophetic people that the church is not going to be able to not talk about spiritual warfare anymore because along with spiritual warfare comes the spiritual gifts. So that brings me to Acts 2, 17, verses 17 through 19. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids, I will pour out on these days of my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Okay, that said, with all of that said, we know that Jesus said towards the end of times, everybody is going to hear my word. Everybody. Now, there's one way that that can happen, and that is the media. And so you is getting to a point now because we have so many people, just because of what I just read, so many people generational-wise that are hungry for something more. They know it's something more in them, and they're just not getting what they really need from church. That's going to get to the point the church cannot ignore this anymore. And I'm just wondering... Why is it, let me ask you a question, and this is something I know you've thought about, but you're not really dealing with it. You just accept it and move on, and you blame it on the church, and you blame it on people. Why is it that the church really isn't doing what it's supposed to do? And I'm going to tell you that it always goes back to our relationship with the Holy Spirit. With these people, let's start with the leaders, okay? With the leaders, if their relationship 
is stagnant or not right, or they don't recognize the Holy Spirit for who he is, they make it all about them, then that becomes a problem because man is prone to error, error, error. And man is fleshly and they're going to go after their flesh and it's more about them. They're doing everything. They're fearing this. They, they're they reacting. They're not being proactive. They're not listening to any kind of um, instructions the Holy Spirit could potentially give them. So how do you build a church like that? What you're building is a group of people more like yourself. Okay, so a lot of times when you go to a church and you see a lot of problems, that's always attributed back to the leadership. It's just like an organization. It's one thing I learned when I was getting my MBA. And most organizations, when you see a problem within the organization that's all the way down to the hourly employees, it always goes back to the top executives. That's where the problem goes in. Same thing in the church. When you see these little minor problems in the church, people getting together, grouping together, talking about people and all kinds of things they do, people not speaking to each other. One of the deal breakers I've seen before for me, um, I used to go to a church and, you know, we uh, pass by people in hospitality ministry or even people just walking by you and they lock eyes with you and, you know, you smile and you speak. Well, I would find myself smiling and speaking, but nobody spoke. They look at you, look the other way. They look and they roll their eyes. And that's fine. That's what they want to do. But we're at, we're at church. Is church really for that? And this is what people attribute to. That's why I don't go to church. Well, hey, we got to understand what does the basis of church come from? Jesus said, upon this rock, I build my church. The church goes back to Jesus. It's not about us. So when we start making it about us, you get a laundry list of errors and problems and things and division and all kinds of confusion. You know, I ended up leaving this really small church once. The Holy Spirit told me to leave. It was time to go. And, uh, you know, it was about money. They they went, re they got really extreme when it came to money. And once again, this was a small church because they wanted the bigger things. But, um... Once I left, I'm, I saw someone in the grocery store that used to go there too. And so we just have, I just said, hey, how you doing? And she started talking about the church. I was pretty much had moved on with my life. And she said, you know, I got into a fight at church with somebody else, with one of the leaders in the church. They got into a physical fight at church. And that was disheartening. That was disheartening. How does that happen in a church? Is this the same church that God said, upon my rock, I build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it? Now, you may think that's extreme, but what's the difference between a physical fight and people in church got this these big fat elephants in the room, people sleeping with each other. There's racism in the church. There's leadership that's not giving the right message. People are all about money. People are more about themselves. They're fighting to get attention in the pulpit. People are upset with somebody else in the church. They jealous. They won't speak to you. They won't sit next to you. You got your favorite seat. I mean, you got shouting going on. And I'm not trying to down shouting because shouting is emotional. But you got shouting for the sake of it showing this is what I do when I go to church. It's not about Jesus. So what is the difference there? What is the difference? God is ready to bring back the church. He is ready to bring back the church. And there's no doubt that he is ready for miracle signs and wonders to be performed. And the only way that can be performed is that we recognize the spiritual warfare. By the way, there are two angels for every demon. So when I start speaking to you about the things that, that um, the Holy Spirit wants to be in the church, just remember that. Um, so in other words, regardless of what's in a person and what they have in them that needs to be delivered and healed when, been, when it comes to demonic behavior, there are two angels for that, which is the most beautiful thing in the world. So I want to make sure I put that out there. It's so refreshing and so comforting. But all we have to do is invite these things in. And that's the most important thing. So, you know, I um, 
when we talk about churches, they, they make it more about them than the Holy Spirit, than about Jesus. Uh, let's go to spiritual warfare. Why is it that we don't hear more about that? I know I was just talking about this in my Religion versus Spirituality podcast, but something about spiritual warfare really scares people. I'm going to tell you why it scares people. The enemy knows when you start dealing with spiritual warfare, you're going to get to the root of whatever the problem is. You're going to cast his butt out of there. You're going to cast him out of there. I mean, you're going to cast out the demons. You're going to start bringing in uh, more angels to cast out the demons. And he, he knows that once that happens, there is no need for him anymore, especially in the church. And we got it right. He is very afraid of the Holy Spirit. He is very afraid of... um of anything that you can say. He's afraid of you knowing that you have more authority over him than he has of you. He's afraid of you getting the power that God has given you. And the one thing he's always after is our authority. So if we don't approach it in spiritual warfare, then we're not taking back the authority that God has already given us. So this is why churches are so afraid of that. You know, when I was growing up, people would always say, they talk about really bad about Benny Hinn's ministry. And I, I didn't know anything about it as a child. I just know people always say, you know, stay away from that. You know, they're all about money, all this and that. Well, lo and behold, I became an adult and I started walking into more of the spiritual walk. And I really like Benny Hinn Ministries because he talks about the root. He gets down to the meat and potatoes of what it takes, of what it takes to be everything that God has for you. And not everybody's doing that, which made him stick out like a sore thumb. Not everybody was having healing and deliverance services. Not everybody was going to church and getting healed. People want to call it fake. They want to call it whatever they want to call it. One thing they cannot do is what Benny Hinn talks about a lot. Touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. And uh, that is a very true uh, statement. And I want to say, I'm going to tell you one second where it is, because I want you to know, I want you to understand how important this message is. Um, one of the things that, you know, you, you've heard people say this over the years, and I'm going to give you this example, and I'm going to go back. When I was, um, my father became a pastor when I was an adult, even though I did grow up in the church, but he became when I was an adult, so I wasn't a, a preacher's kid or anything like that. But I said all that because, you know, we went to the same church when we were growing up that we were when, we became, when he became the pastor. And a lot of people, there was like eight people that um, were close to us but when he became a pastor, they hated it. They couldn't stand it. And he he knew this was a calling on his life. And, you know, I guess they didn't feel the same way. And they were very disrespectful towards him. They, uh, you know, they would say really bad things about him, um, you know, whether it was around my family or whatever. And so he actually had a lady in the church that um, she was also a pastor and I guess she did some things in her younger years that the people did not forgive. And this is another thing people are not forgiving in the church. But uh, we'll get to that soon. But uh, people just didn't want her there because they were holding things against her. And so uh, she told him, because he was so hurt by what people were saying about him, she said, you know, uh, don't worry about them. You'll end up eulogizing every single one of them. And, you know, my, when my father told me this, he told me this the last year of his life. And I have to be honest with you, I didn't ask him to tell me this. He just happened to tell me this out of the blue. And I tell you, it really shocked me that literally everybody that he was talking about, everyone that he mentioned, I always wondered how these people died like that. It was like a course of two years. They, I mean, they were dropping off like flies. 
it was unbelievable. One died after the other, and they would be quick. They'd get sick and they'd die like the next day. Or one of them had a car accident, or one of them was living somewhere, and all of a sudden they came down with something, went in the hospital, died a week later. Eight of them died that way. And um, and sure enough, he did every single last one of the eulogies. And so it took me years to wrap my mind around what in the world happened with that. I mean, I was so blown away. And the Holy Spirit said, you know what happened. That was, it is found Psalms 105.15. Touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. If you were in a church and you were questioning the leadership and apparently you don't think that they should be doing what they're doing or they're, whatever it is. If they are appointed by God and they are anointed, you let God deal with them. You don't go to them and talk about them and disrespect them in any other way. You know why? Because then God's going to deal with you if you do. And that is not a fearful statement. Um, however, it does feel frightening because, you know, maybe you're thinking you've done this or whatever. Uh, but I, I will tell you this to back it up. Through Jesus, there is no love. So if you have the love of Christ in you, then we don't have to worry about that now, do we? But... Um, I will say that, you know, just to back it up, even the ones when I was growing up that did say those things about Benny Hinn, guess what? They're all dead now. And I, I'm not joking. They, they really are dead now. So I'm not telling you this because, you know, it's a life or death thing. I'm just telling you that the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy. And when you bear the enemy's fruit, he starts accomplishing his purpose in your life. That's all I'm saying. That is really everything else is between you and God. All I can do is put it out there so that you can understand. So that's spiritual warfare. Let's talk about the, the uh, healing and deliverance. And one of the things I have found is that, you know, let's go back, you know, something clear. You know, I, 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 I told you before, I, I talked to so many women that are probably depressed or they're just not dealing with, they got so many problems in their marriages and they're just not happy with how things have turned out. Well, I'm just wondering if we had the ability to, you know, once again, recognize spiritual warfare, talk to these women, show them love, help them understand who God is and who they are, and then go through these healing exercises, healing prayers and deliverance prayers, you know, exercise these demons out and then show them the love afterwards, okay, before doing it afterwards, because it's not just about healing and deliverance. It's about being that person of love and carrying that love and, and showing them this is what God is. This is what the agape love is loving without limits. If we start doing those kinds of things, I can guarantee you that it will be a lot less people hurting in the church and a lot less people embarrassed about being hurt in the church. Embarrassment comes from the enemy. Shame comes from the enemy. It's okay that you're having problems in your life. Guess what? We all do. We all do. But when you start inviting the Holy Spirit in and you recognize everything that comes with that relationship, then it becomes less and less burdensome because you start doing what God tells you to do versus being worried about what the enemy keeps telling you. Those are the kind of things that keep you up at night. Those are the kind of things we've got to be able to tell people in the church. And we've got to have an area for them to come to in the church without any kind of shame. So I, I know that there is a lot of these churches that have like uh, the prayers when church is over. And even with that, um, the, it seems like the atmosphere is just not set for opening up and becoming vulnerable in, in everything that you're going through. And so this is why we've got to set an atmosphere 
where people feel like this is the place that I'm going to go. And I, I really do believe, once again, it's preventative measures when we actually have and we do what God says the church should do. A lot of this will be highly, highly, highly prevented. And I'm not saying everybody's going to be perfect, but we will all be striving to stay on the right track. And my prayer is, and these are the prayers we got to pray. I always pray these prayers. God, make me uncomfortable until I get back on the right track in the name of Jesus. Those are the kind of prayers you have to pray. And these are the prayers we have to pray over our congregation and people that are with us so that they understand that if you make those bad decisions, that like all of us do, we will be like Jonah, uncomfortable. You know, we're going to be like, uh, I, I could go on and on and on and on, but, you know, Jonah is the first one that, become, that comes to mind because Jonah ran away uh, so fast when God told him to do something. And sure enough, um, he was very uncomfortable. And I will tell you, at this point in my life, when God tells me to do something and I don't do it, it becomes very uncomfortable. And that's fine because I want to always stay on the right track. And that's how you have these preventative measures when it comes to dealing with problems, especially when we're going to a Holy Spirit-filled environment with love and peace and joy. Uh, so, you know, um, the other thing I want to say is that, you know, I, uh, wow, I was reading a book and I gotta be honest with you. I wish I could tell you the name of it, but, uh, there was a book I was reading and a book focused on deliverance. And, uh, for the purposes of this particular podcast, uh, you know, I do want to reference the complete book of deliverance and also prayer rings, another book along with the Holy Bible. But, um, I was reading this book and this particular book focused on exercising out demons and this was not necessarily a deliverance book even though it does talk about these things in groups of demons and strongholds that sit over towns places and churches and people but this particular man went into detail on this particular pastor's experience and um at this time in my life i have to be honest with you i was going to church and i just didn't understand love and what true love and agape love really meant it's the kind of love that jesus had on the cross when people were crucifying him and he said forgive them lord for they know not what they do and that is the kind of love god is calling us to be he's not calling us to be the messiah himself obviously he's calling us to show and be that example of love and so at this time i didn't realize i was being unforgiving in my heart this is like last year before i even started my podcast but um, I, it starts, the book starts out talking about the doors that demons come through. And one of the doors that came through in my life was unforgiveness. So much that, you know, I had this dream that um, these groups of demons were raiding our house. And they were actually people, but I, I know that it was a demonic dream because it was frightening. But they were raiding our house. And at the end of the dream, um, you know, I had to get my, my husband and my son out of the house. And at the end, I couldn't get my daughter out. And I woke up, my daughter was still in the dream. So I was thinking, that means she's still in danger. So sure enough, my daughter the next night says, Mommy, I had a dream that a monster was in the house. And he said he's going to destroy the house. And I was like, really? So it kind of went back to the dream I had the night before. Where sure enough, the Christmas holidays came around. And, um, you know, my kids were in the basement playing in the house. And suddenly I heard this big, loud thud. And my, my husband ran downstairs and he yelled out and then I almost dropped to my knees in fear because I had no idea what happened. So my daughter comes out the basement with blood running down her face, literally. And, um, it, you know, it was one of those things like, you know, he, he said, what happened? What happened? And so she said that one of my other cousins turned the lights off. The lights started flickering off, off and on in the basement. It was at nighttime. He said, no, I didn't do that. There was a doll in the basement that was um, making noises and laughing. 
And so my son said, yes, every time you get near the dog, the dog laughs. So I'm sitting upstairs and I hear all this, you know, I said, wait a minute. Something don't sound right because I, you know, we had to clean my daughter up and send her upstairs and, you know, they would just have to recover. But I said, you know what? So I told my, my son and my nephew, take me to the dog. The Holy Spirit said, you can check the store. Something's not right. And sure enough, there was a dog sitting in a different room in the, in the house. And this doll, um, half the doll face was torn off. I mean, it looked ridiculous. And I didn't even touch the doll. I just walked towards it and the doll starts laughing. Now, how many baby dolls do you know laugh? This doll was laughing. Most dolls cry, right? Not only was the doll laughing, when I pick, I mean, and it started repetitively laughing and saying the same laugh over and over again rhythmically. So I picked up this doll and literally the doll, when I picked it up, the doll hands and arms, I want to say arms and feet, excuse me, it actually it had no hands and feet, started moving. And the most disturbing thing about it was the doll had no batteries. And the doll's eyes was glowing. And no one knew where the doll came from. I had never seen this doll before in my life. Uh, my daughter has all black dolls. It doesn't really matter. But, um, you know, just from the dolls that we brought her, she loves Dr. McStuffins. Dr. McStuffins happens to be black. And other Barbie dolls. But this particular doll was white. And I have no idea where it came from. So the point is, the doll stuck out from the other dolls. That's the point I'm trying to make. So at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit said, you got yourself a demon. Now I need you to get it out. And boy, I tell you, I took this doll upstairs and I could, like I said, I could feel life moving around in the doll. The doll kept laughing at me over and over again. And I kept saying, I bind you and release you in the mighty name of Jesus. I bind you and release you in the mighty name. I may have been saying some other things. I honestly can't remember. I was just being moved by what the Holy Spirit was telling me to do. But the doll just kept going and going and going and it wouldn't stop laughing. And so one thing I learned is that demons are not really, sometimes they don't come out initially. They can be real stubborn. So my son is seeing this, my, my nephew's seeing this, my, you know, I don't know if my daughter saw it, but I know my sister saw it. And so um, initially I said, okay, it's probably going to take a minute. So my husband comes downstairs and the second he put his foot on the floor, the doll stops. And so the Holy Spirit said, I need you and your husband to work together and get this doll out the house. So I said, you know, Kaden, okay, you got to help me. Um, I need to take this doll out the house because this doll has been laughing at me and it got a demon in it. And he looks at me and he starts laughing. And by this time, I was upset. <laughs> That's what demons do. Their job is to anger you and to cause division. So he starts laughing at me. And I didn't even recognize what was going on until my nephew pointed out. Notice that when the doll stopped laughing, Auntie, he started laughing. So the demon jumped right into him. And, um, you know, I had to calm myself down because there was so much drama just, that just happened. It was like, how dare you laugh at me, right? Here's my point. Here's my point. I didn't realize, and no one had ever taught me how important it was, not even just to forgive, but not open the doorway to demons. And I feel like, number one, if more of this had been going on in the church, someone probably should have recognized it in the church and said, hey, you know what, let's talk about what's going on in your life because I see there's some unforgiveness. I see there's some something needs to come out of you. Those kind of things can be prevented. Now, I'm not blaming this on anybody but me. I want to make sure I say that. What I'm saying is it's important to be in an environment that can recognize this kind of thing, regardless of who it is. But, you know, thankfully it was recognized because all that's important, I'm going to go back again, is your relationship with the Holy Spirit. If you've been hurt by people in the church, if people have said things and done things to you, which we all have, recognize that they are human and recognize that all that matters between is what you have between you and God 
You have to be forgiven. Don't open the doorway for demons because then you'll be a part of that healing service. But that's okay because God comforts us to make us comfort us for others. Those are the most important things. I also want to say this to you as well. Um, you know, as leaders, we are, the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is expected, right? And I know that, you know, leaders feel a whole lot of enormous pressure in the church to please everybody. You've got to please the Holy Spirit. You're, you know, when then when they don't, when they make it about them and they don't please people, the fear comes. What if you lose your biggest titles? Well, it's not about money. It's about the Holy Spirit. What if people don't like me? Well, it's not about you. It's about the Holy Spirit. It's not about liking you. And in order to please God, you're going to disappoint some people. And it is up to the people in the audience to recognize these people as human. Don't place too much emphasis and don't expect too much from them when they are only human. Don't make the pastor your God. Don't make this leader in church your God. Make God your God and have your relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's the most important thing. And recognize that you're not in a perfect environment, but God is ready for the church to be held accountable to the things that he has always always had for the church speaking to people not placing judgment i don't even believe in placing my ministry on people unless god you know gives me discernment to and jesus went around speaking to people nicely softly he didn't go around yelling at them and, and forcing them and being aggressive and telling them you better do this he didn't go around criticizing them he showed them love that is the responsibility of the church and if the church fails you and does not do that it is up to you to get your relationship right with the holy spirit your relationship right with christ and he will tell you exactly what to do and where to go next and how to handle things. Stop worrying about what's not being done in the church and focus on what God has used it to do. Because I promise you, if you open up your eyes and ears, it has pointed you at least in the right direction. If it is not for you to say that God will show you where to go next, that is a fine line. And you have to be very discerning about that. That is a personal thing because it's about your personal relationship. It's not about the pastor. It's not about the size of the church. It is about what you can bring to that church and also what they uh, can also provide to you. It should be a very mutual growing place. It should be a place that challenges you to always be a better person, a place that forces you to sharpen your faith. And in faith, you become uncomfortable in a, a place that recognizes the talent and brings out the best in you. If you're going to a place that is the total opposite, they're bringing out the worst. Someone's angry with you for no reason. No one wants to speak to you. They're walking off from you. Uh, you're not, you don't feel like uh, pe people, many people are rejecting you. That kind of thing, all kinds of red flags. Then it's kind of obvious that you have your answer. And maybe you have to dig deep down in yourself and recognize that maybe there's something in me that's drawing me to this church and it's not always god okay it's not always god so we know if it's not god it's definitely the enemy so um i just want to pray that you know in this message that god is able to bring peace and healing to your mind when it comes to dealing with church and people in the church and know that it is you that make up the church the church would not be who it is the body of christ will not be who it is without you and now god is even ready to wake up the people that have these dormant gifts. He's ready to wake that up because in the last days, you are going to prophesy and you're going to be God's voice and you're going to awaken with spiritual gifts. We all have a unique ability to bring something different to the church. And that is our responsibility. That is our responsibility in Christ. That is, and remember, to whom much is given, much is expected. So if God is telling you to do something, and you continue to do it, then it's just going to get stronger and stronger and stronger and bigger. If there is something, if there is a story, if there is a person, place, or thing, group, or situation that has not occurred yet, sometimes we have to create 
what we want to see in life. You have found your niche, even if it's in within the body of Christ. It does not have to be a specific building. Just like right now, I'm using these podcasts as my platform for my ministry. And you don't have to worry about the church so much with me because I'm bringing the church to you. Okay, that's my time. Oh, I've been very long-winded with these messages. But these are some very, very important messages the Holy Spirit has placed in my heart. Thank you for listening. My prayer for you is that God opens up your heart and your mind and thoughts to everything he has for you, especially when it comes to enlarging the body of Christ. Um, remember, Jesus loves you. So do I. Uh, you can find me at love at um, Well, that is my email. Podcast at Cardinia.com. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, I would love for you to keep listening. I really do hope that you're able to share this with someone who really needs it. And I know that God is going to bring the people to hear this message that truly need it the most. So thank you for listening. I'll see you next time.